This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey guys, back for another episode of the Journey Within podcast. Got a special one on today, a longtime friend, George Cummins, actually uh, founder of Salt River Outfitters and most recently Buck Bourbon. Um, we'll touch on a little bit of salt river today but mainly want to spend a lot of time on on buck bourbon it's been exciting to watch how george has started this and watch it kind of skyrocket from nothing the last couple of years to really taking over the market george how are you doing today i'm doing great how about yourself not too bad life been going good yeah yeah life's been going good man it's busier than ever you know kids playing every sport imaginable and you know buck bourbon just really taking off is uh it's been such a blessing and a fun ride you know so it's you know it's just busy yep no that <laughs> sounds good that sounds about right good. that sounds about right i got a few kids bouncing and it seems like every night of the week except for sunday sports yeah yeah, yeah. well eli just started playing middle school baseball and they have on average this is no joke six games a week and he's starting for the b team which they don't usually start playing until about seven thirty or 8 o'clock at night Ooh. so you guys <laughs> got lights over there <laughs> Oh, yeah. 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 We have electricity in Kentucky, Mark. You do? You guys got electricity yeah, down there. That's good. <laughs> we do. Yeah, we do have electricity. I didn't know it ran so. that far south. <laughs> but no, man, we, we usually don't get home to about 10 o'clock at night from baseball, if that. So it's a full day of work and then a full day of, you know, baseball or Turks doing track now. And, yeah. you know, then, yeah, it's busy schedule. But. Well, that's the life. I was trying to, to think before we got started here, how long have we known each other? It's got to be pushing, what, nine, ten years now? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've this will be our seventh year at the, the new lodge, and we met, I'm going to say, three years before that. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's been pushing ten, if not ten. That's Yeah, well, time flies. I'm feeling it yeah. now, especially in the in the body. So as as yeah, we kind of yeah. dig into the into the podcast, one of the questions we always seem to to get on my social media is, um, 
what you, I mentioned like affiliate or owned outfitters through WTA and Salt River is actually one of those, which I don't know what the correct terminology is. If it's a f- affiliate or owned, but WTA actually owns Salt River Outfitters. Um, George started it um, and we kind of looked at it and what the job that George has did with it of growing it in the unique area and really how early the season starts down there, being able to chase free range velvet whitetails, one of the, one of the states you can go and do that but I may be biased, probably the, the most successful state in chasing early season velvet whitetails made it a unique one for, for WTA to go after. Um, I don't want to spend a, a ton of time on Salt River today because I really want to focus on Buck Bourbon, but when did you start up originally Salt River Outfitters? Uh, it's been about 14 years ago. Okay. Um, yeah. I was at, at that time, I was actually running my own landscaping company, and I had made a uh, – a pretty good friend actually that was involved with a an outdoor tv show and i invited him to come up and hunt with me because you know i've hunted my whole life and i had at that time i had over a thousand acres and it was just my personal ground to hunt and you know he come up here hunted he said hey you know have you ever thought about outfitting he said you've got as big a deer as anywhere as i've ever hunted and at that time you know i'm i guess you take for granted what you have you know and i was like hey ain't nobody gonna pay any money to come you know shoot our deer and he's like no he said i've hunted all over the world with the show and in the week that i've been here with you i've seen as many if not more big deer than than with anybody i've ever hunted with so at that time i was you know like i said running my landscaping business i thought well i'll dabble in it a little bit so the next year you know was technically the first year i started but i think i only did five hunters was all it took and you know all five of them killed all five of them rebooked well five turned to 15 15 turned to 30 and here we are today running i don't know on average probably 130 to 150 deer hunters through a year which is which is crazy because the majority of those i would say 85 percent are are repeat clients at least at at least at least least that so like i get i get a question a lot what what determines a uh uh, okay outfitter or a good outfitter and a great outfitter is if you look at their repeat bookings and if they're anywhere yep. above 75%, especially on whitetail, because there's so many spots that you can go and hunt whitetail, um, that if you've got a high percent repeat booking, that's when you look at what an outfitter is doing and you can tell that they're a great outfitter or doing things the correct way, controlling the controllables. Yep. Yep. And you know, our archery hunters, if I had to throw a number on that, I bet they're more like 90% repeat. You know, it's, I've noticed a trend in whitetail hunters is if, if an archery hunter finds a good outfitter, they never leave. Yep. A gun hunter, they typically want to hunt a different state every year. Mm-hmm. So like, even though, you know, our gun hunters, they're almost on a cycle. Every third year we get our gun hunters back because they'll, they'll hunt Kentucky one year. They'll go to Kansas the next year. They might hit up Missouri. They might hit Illinois, but they, they always circle back to Kentucky at some point, you know, throughout that little three years span. Yep. Yep. Especially at the archery guys getting in on that velvet. It, I mean, yeah, uh, I don't remember yeah. how many years I've been going down for the opener now, but it's the same, same crew there. Kind of like yeah. a, more of a party than a, than an opening day, but it's the same guys there every, every weekend, which has been cool. It's our Thanksgiving. That's what we, that's what we call it. It's, yep. it's our Thanksgiving when the family comes back around and everybody gets to sit down and, and eat, drink and be merry and hopefully shoot a big ass deer in the process. Exactly. Exactly. So when you, uh, I assume your father got you into hunting. I know a question I get a a bunch is my dad basically started from the time I could barely walk, 
having me follow him and, and our bird dogs here in Michigan around chasing grouse and woodcock got me hooked and then eventually led to big game and kind of grew to this passion that I have for everything. Is that is that similar to how you got started? Exactly. I mean, that's exactly how I got started. You know, we don't have any bird hunting here other than turkeys, and it, that's what it started with me and my dad. You know, he, he took me out hunting. I think I killed my first deer when I was about eight. And, you know, turkey hunting, I, I killed them. We didn't have turkeys back then. When I started hunting, you know, we didn't have any turkeys. We didn't have a season. Uh, I ended up killing my first turkey when I was probably 16 years old, you know, and, and it was just me and him. We kind of went out and we really didn't know what we were doing, but, <laughs> you know, we, we, we ended up, uh, force gumping our way into a turkey and, and I was hooked from then on, you know, it, uh, just, it, I don't know. It's just it kept me out of trouble also more than anything. You know, that, that's what I think. That's why I love pushing the outdoors on kids. It, you know, if, it's kind of like school sports you know if you keep your kids involved in school sports if you keep them involved in outdoors they're never going to have money and they're never going to have time to get in any other kind of trouble exactly if you can't if you so. take the time away for them to keep out of the mischief um you can get a pretty darn good kid by the time they get out of high school <laughs> yes you can yeah yes you can yep. yeah and that's i mean that's what happened to me that's what kept my you know my head down and just looking forward and you know, I, I realized at a young age that the outdoors was something that I wanted to do for a living, but, you know, it's just something really hard to get started in. Oh, it's a, extremely tough to get started in. But I, I like, I tell everybody now, I'm like, I couldn't imagine doing anything else besides what I do. I mean, I get to wake up every yeah. single day and either go hunting, plan hunting, or talk about hunting. Like that, that's yeah. <laughs> really what I get to do. Same thing as you. That's, I yeah. mean, that's, that's every day. And, and not only that, you get to enjoy it with your friends and family, but I, just like you, we do a ton with the kids and get them in the outdoors and yep. that bond that you get, it's the same thing. Like when your dad brought you into the, the outdoors growing up, that bond that you get of that one-on-one -on -one time, especially in the world today with all the electronics and everything like that, you can't match that anywhere else. Sitting in a turkey blind no. or sitting in a deer blind and, and those conversations that walk in in the dark or that walk out, like, yeah, the success that comes with it's great. But like, I look at it as it's more of those conversations that are in the blind or the planning and the walking out or like that almost happened. Like those are the ones I look back on and, and those are the great memories. And I hope that my kids look at them the same way and, and, kind of carry that on to their their kids eventually too exactly yep and, and it's the same thing for me i mean the my kids you know i don't i don't force the outdoors on them uh they'll go through spells where they want to hunt every day and then they'll go through spells where they don't want to hunt for two weeks so just that's the thing i think a lot of parents try to push stuff on their kids and just like sports you can really ruin your kids if you just keep pushing keep pushing keep pushing eventually it becomes like a job to them and it loses that that luster you know loses that fun and everything should always be fun for the kids sports outdoors out fishing hunting whatever it is it should be fun you know and that's that's how you get those kids hooked and and that's how you pass on that tradition and you know the lifestyle the yeah. lifestyle that we talk about exactly exactly so I know we talked about turkey season real quick one one last one about salt river before we hop over to, to talk about the fun one in buck bourbon um, I know we're still, let's see, what are we, four months away from, from chasing deer, but it's going to be around the corner pretty quick. What's the season look like coming up this year? Uh, so I kind of base what I think our season is going to look, look like on what farms we, we have, if we have any new farms, and honestly, what sheds I find throughout the season. Mm -hmm. And we just wrapped up our shed season yesterday because I got my first tick. And that's it. <laughs> when, that's time. That's I, it. Time to wrap it up. Yeah, it was a good year. When I, 
Yeah, when I when I pick my first tick off from me for the season, I'm like, all right, you know, it's, I'm done shed hunting. So, uh, but we found more big sheds this year than we've ever found in the 14 years I've been doing this. So, I mean, I know those big deer are going to be around. And then you've got all the the up and comers that you know were just average deer, but they're going to be big deer this year too. So, I, I really think this could be possibly our best year ever for big deer mm-hmm. and that that gets me excited and how many total acres does salt river have for whitetails uh close to twenty-two thousand acres in nine different counties here in the central part of the state okay yeah, and they're all big deer counties with high deer densities so when you come to kentucky you're going to see deer you know you're going to see bucks and even if you don't kill you know you're you're going to have a lot of people say it's the hunt of their lifetime, even if they don't kill, mm-hmm. just because of the sheer numbers of animals they're seeing. And, you know, just because you, you see them doesn't mean you're going to get a shot at them, but they definitely, all of our hunters leave here feeling like they've had a successful hunt, whether they have killed or not. Yeah. I know. And, I'm, every, and that, every time I hunt there, I'm always shocked by the number of bucks that I see. And it's like, you always see the young bucks, but then you see the different age classes starting to sneak up to three or four. And yep. you're like, man, that one's going to be something. Let's let that one go. And where I'm from in Michigan, as you know, you, that just doesn't happen. We just we just don't have age classes this year. There are too many hunters here. It's really tough managed on the on the state part. Like just just can't get to that. Like I know I, I don't know I may upset some people. I'm I'm one that wishes Michigan would go to a one buck state, same as Kentucky, um, just because I know what it would do to the the amount of bucks that are in the area. But, like, I go and hunt Kentucky, and it's great because you get to see all these bucks. And, and being in a tree stand, like, as an archery guy, you get used to seeing those bucks. You don't get as excited. Like, here in Michigan, you see a buck no matter what it is, you get excited. Like, it brings your heart rate all crazy, and, and that's when you start making bad decisions in a, in a tree stand, obviously. But it's just more getting used to that, too. Yeah. Yep. Hey, everybody month of july has one tag application that you guys have got to make sure to get applied before the deadline of july 30th that is pennsylvania elk that's a new one that we've been doing the last couple of years and a great one if you're looking for an absolute slob of an elk make sure to check out pennsylvania elk and now on to the the fun topic buck bourbon i mean where did this idea come from this is your your brainchild what what was the the mindset you had when when you started playing with this and how did it start well i like I said earlier, you know, I started the outfitting business about 14 years ago and two years into the outfitting was when it really sunk in that I, I thought I was going to be able to make a living doing this. But, you know, the deer at that point become a natural resource to me and I needed to make sure that that resource was always replenished and always healthy. Uh, you know, Kentucky is a state where we're allowed to bait. So back then I was just feeding straight corn. Mm-hmm. You know, deer, deer love corn. They're very attracted to it, but it's just not beneficial to them. So at that, at that point, I started looking around, trying to figure out what commodities were easily available to me. And obviously here in Kentucky, I'm in the you know central part of the state, right in the middle of the, the bourbon capital of the world, where 96% of the world's bourbon is made within an hour or less of our lodge and our properties. So the commodities, the byproducts you get from these distilleries, at that time, I noticed all the cattle farmers were feeding that to them. So I knew, you know, it's got to be healthy. If the cattle farmers are using it, you know, that's their living. That's mm-hmm. their livelihood. So they're not going to feed something to their cattle that's not going to fatten them up and, and make them healthy. So I started digging in a little deeper and found out that all these byproducts actually have a high sugar content, high fat content, you know, carbs, 
protein, everything the deer need. So that's when I started getting an experiment with it. The problem I run into right off the bat is that the byproducts by themselves are, are not very, I guess, they don't taste very good. The deer wouldn't really eat on just plain. Got so you. then I become a, they, a mad scientist. Are they more bitter than, than sweet as, a, as just a straight byproduct? I just, it, I wouldn't say it was bitter. I wouldn't say it was sour or sweet or anything. It just didn't, look, I'm, I'm kind of uh, special when it comes to making my deer feed. Like, I actually taste everything that I make because I want to know what the deer like. I mean, do they like that sweet? Do they like that salty, that bitter, wh- whatever? And, and when I would try these byproducts, it just tasted like I was eating cardboard. So I was like, okay, you know, it's now I got to get the deer to eat it. I found out what I want them to eat. Now I got to figure out how to get them to eat it. And a lot of getting deer to eat what is good for them is tricking them because, you know, protein, deer don't like the way protein tastes. Yeah. Well, I so think it's a lot like to, humans. Humans don't like the way protein tastes either. I mean, besides exactly. steak, but like a, a protein it, shake and all that, that kind of stuff. Most people don't like the way it tastes. Exactly. So what I did is I went and I, and I got every byproduct from the distillery that I could get because there's multiple types of byproducts. And obviously I'm not going to go into great detail on that because we don't want our recipe getting out. But, uh, I started experimenting mad scientist style, just had no clue what I was doing because I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a biologist. I just watched deer my whole life. And I knew that if I could get the deer to eat this particular byproduct, it was going to make them healthier. And now that took some time. It wasn't something that I figured out overnight. It took a year or two to get our, uh, our mash bill, if you want to call it that, you know, mash bill is what they, that's the term they use in the bourbon industry for what makes different types of bourbon. So once we figured our our mash bill that the deer liked, I mean, I hit a home run with it. And it was complete accidental on my part. I'm not, you know, I wish I could sit here and say that I knew exactly what I was doing, but I kind of stumbled upon something that was great. And when I realized it was great, I'm like, this is what we need. This is what the deer need. So we started using, I had no intention of selling this first off. I want I want to kind of back up a little bit and say I had no intention of ever selling this. This was for Salt River Outfitters to gain an edge on anybody that may be hunting the same deer we're hunting and to make the deer healthier. So within a couple of years of feeding this product at Salt River Outfitters, you know, we started killing 160, 170, 180 inch deer over this product every year. And that was new to me because I had tried every product on the shelves and I could not get mature bucks to come to them. So as soon as we started killing these big deer, I'm like, you know, we have something here. So we, we just m- skip forward a couple of years. You know, we're still killing big deer at Salt River Outfitters over this. Well, then all of a sudden the locals kind of caught on. And we had a lot of local friends, you know, local guides that helped me. They started asking for this feed. Hey, can I get some of your feed? Can I get some of your feed? Yeah, sure. You know, we'll make you some, whatever. Well, then they start killing big deer over it. And then word gets out. And then everybody in this area is literally knocking down our door, wanting us to make them some of our special feed. It still didn't have a name. You know, we didn't, didn't have a name. It I didn't didn't have any intention of selling it. We just called it our, our feed. When that got to where it took more of my time making feed than it really, you know, I was spending on at Salt River Outfitters, to be honest with you. That's when I said, okay, maybe we should look at selling this. You know, we have something that is gaining every hunter that uses it in edge. We need to look at, at trying to sell it. At that point, you know, I sat down with a, a buddy of mine at the time and, and I was like, okay, you know, if we're going to partner up and do this, we really need to uh, create a brand, not just a product. You know, I didn't want just a spill and kill product because that's not what it's about. It's not about just killing that animal. 
uh, it's about, honestly, when we created the Buck Bourbon name and the brand, I wanted it to stand for everything I do at Salt River Outfitters from start to finish. And I wanted it to be this lifestyle brand. Uh, and I want to explain to you a little bit of when, when I say lifestyle brand, what I mean, because uh, a lot of people don't get this. You know, the, the lifestyle that I want to, to let everybody else experience is what I get to experience at Salt River Outfitters on a day to day basis when I have clients in. Right off the bat, first thing in the morning, we meet at our coffee pot. We call that our war room. That's where we sit there and talk with our clients on, okay, the wind direction is this today. This deer was coming in in daylight on camera the last week. We can hunt this deer with that wind, so let's go after him. That's where we make our battle plan. Then we go out. We take our clients out. They hunt, hopefully, out of a buck bourbon ground line over buck bourbon products. And at the end of the day, we want everybody to be successful. So if they are successful, we bring the deer back and we process that animal. And that's where we have our buck bourbon processing equipment. You know, our slicers, our grinders, our uh, vacuum sealers, all that stuff. Once you get that deer processed, hopefully we get to sit around and share in maybe a backstrap with the client. So that's what we come up with our seasonings because, you know, we get to cook this animal if maybe a turkey, you know, this weekend we're going to kill some turkeys. Hopefully one of our clients will let us, you know, grill up or fry up a breast. And, you know, we will have our, uh, our buck bourbon seasonings on that. So that's where you get to, to enjoy the fruits of your, your hunt. You know, if, if you've killed that animal, we get to sit around, eat it. And then the end of the day, we close our night out, sitting around a campfire almost every night, sipping on a good glass of bourbon, uh, a lot of our hunters love enjoying, you know, a good cigar, and we're just sitting around just reminiscing about everything that happened that day, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, if you if you were successful, the whole camp gets to enjoy and celebrate that with you. If you're not successful, if you missed, if you wounded, that that's part of hunting, and that's that's something that you'll never see us try to hide because that happens. If you try to cover that and say it doesn't happen, then then you're just you're just lying. So when we're sitting around that campfire, we're teasing each other. You know, if a guy messed up, we're teasing him, and and that's that camaraderie, that brotherhood, that that family that's created at Salt River Outfitters, and that's what I wanted Buck Bourbon to to be about. I want to bring that whole experience, and when we bring all these products to you, we're giving you a good product at an affordable price, and it's field tested, field proven from day one yeah and i can so i'm I'm gonna speak for for and you'll probably laugh at this i'm gonna speak from personal history of of as george was growing this this product in this in this brand like george had the product and came to me and, and said hey what do you what do you think about this i'm like man it works but i just being a business person, I looked at what the attractant market was for deer hunting and what, how, how much was sold and so forth and the brands that were there. And there's some big, big brands that are there and they try to remarket what they're selling every year or two. And I looked at it and go, man, that's a, from a new business perspective, that's a tough market to crack into. Like it's that the big brands own the shelf space. It's, 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 you can ship this stuff, but obviously it weighs so much that the shipping really costs a lot. So you need, you need it to be at retailers to be able to, to sell it. So I, I looked and I was like, man, I, I hemmed and hawed to, to start with, with George and his idea. And then he came up with the name Buck Bourbon. And I was like, mm, I will tell you what though, that name is a, is a great name, not just as a namesake, but what you're building the brand behind 
behind it because you're literally you're in the you're in the bourbon belt down there the the one hour as you mentioned 96 percent of the the bourbon that's made in the u.s is within an hour of your lodge and like you think kentucky you think bourbon and and kind of what you have with salt river it's like this mix of deer hunting bourbon like that southern like at horse feel like you think kentucky when you think salt river which is great so i like the name is amazing like the name is catchy people will like it like the logo you came up with is is awesome but i still got caught on like man how are you gonna tackle into that market and you 100 percent proved me wrong because you came up with a product that that truly works like you can go out and put the other products on the market all next to each other and which one did the deer go to and i think you you hit on it earlier is how do you how do you get success it's not getting a year and a half old buck that comes into an attractant like a year and a half old buck doesn't doesn't know anything they will come into literally anything but if you get a five and a half or a six and a half year old buck that are coming into an attractant that has seen life 10 times over and is weary about everything now you've got something that really blows everything away so even though like over the last two years watching even even though the market was so saturated, the other companies and the retailers, like the other companies couldn't fight it off. And the retailers had to open their eyes and go, holy smokes, this product actually works because there are people that are coming back to the store to request it because it works so good and not just buying whatever brand we have on the shelf. Like it's, it's truly a brand that, that started small and grassroots and really took off because of client success with it. Like it's a brand that grew the correct way. It didn't grow fast off the bat. It grew slow, but it grew because of client success, which, which like I look at it now and it's got the longevity to go with it. So it started with the attractant. And then you've mentioned some of the other ones, like besides the attractant now, let's just look in the field for deer hunting, not, not the blinds and stuff right now. What other products does Buck Bourbon have right now going into the 2022 season besides the 110 attractant? All right, I'll uh, we'll we'll stay in the line of attractants and feed supplements, and then we'll go into kind of our hard goods. So, so we do the the one the 110 proof was our our flagship product that we keep talking about that really took off and set the tone for us. Well, at that time, I, I realized that I had to keep creating good products. So the next thing I wanted to create was a mineral, but mineral is even more of a flooded market than attractants because everybody thinks they've got the next greatest mineral. And I was like, okay, what do I have to do to set ourselves apart? So that's when I, I kind of backed up and I'm like, okay, what are, what's the best minerals I've ever used? You know, cause I've been buying stuff since I was nine years old. And, and one of those was actually a, uh, when trophy rock come out, they took over the mineral industry like just i mean absolutely took it over deer would wear that stuff out but the problem with those trophy rocks is when you put one of them in front of your camera the raccoons and the deer will take that rock and roll it away from your camera so i'm like okay well i know that's really good and it's really attractive but at the end of the day the pink sea salt that that is made from only has trace minerals in it so I'm like, okay, the deer love that, but they still need more. So when you so when, when by, you say the trace minerals, it's not it's not really the minerals that they that they need for growth and health. Yes, and, and and very 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 small amounts of the minerals that are in it. So at that point, I was like, okay, well, well, I want that in the product because of the attracting power that it has. 
but now I have to, once again, we got to trick the deer into eating the minerals that they actually need. You know, the selenium, the magnesium, you know, all of that stuff they really need, but they don't necessarily like the way it tastes. So I said, okay, well, let's combine the two. But staying in the bourbon theme, how do we combine the two and make it unique to us? So I said, okay, I, I called several places and, and found a place that I could get the pink sea salt the size of ice chunks. So I said, okay, we're going to blend the two together and we're going to call it on the rocks, but bourbon on the rocks, which is a, a, a whiskey bourbon term, you know, for how you want to drink your, your, whatever it is you're drinking. So that sets us apart, not just that we have pink sea salt, but we have those chunks. So we have chunks and we have a, a, a granular mineral in one bag. There's nobody else on the market like it. And it is a great product. The deer love it. It has everything they need. And we also kind of threw our own little twist on it. It put a, a cinnamon garlic flavoring in it as well. And, you know, alcoholics say it smells like fireball. I'm like, well, it's not fireball. It's cinnamon for non-alcoholics. So. <laughs> and, that, like, and you've said this. I think this is like the third or fourth time you've said it. You've got to trick the deer yes. into eating what they really, really need. And, like, I go back to that's like raising a kid, you got to trick them to eat what they really need. Otherwise they're going to eat junk food all, all the time. And like on this one, I caught like the other mineral was using a, a tractant to get it eaten, but you're dropping the mineral in the spring, like feeding it through the spring in their growth period. So yeah, you're attracting them to it, but they're really not eating what they need to, to max out to where you came with a product and truly tricking them to eat what they need, but really getting that deer to max out its potential. And I, like, I get the question a lot, like how does, how does George or, or Buck Bourbon come up with these products? They seem to work really great and they're tackling some. And I go back to him like, he's an outfitter. Like he sees this. He he runs a hundred and some guys through his camp every year. And not only that, he's in other camps every year. Like he sees what works and what doesn't all season long. And his success as an outfitter is, is driven by what success his clients have. And like, you really took it into a 12 month period of growing the deer herd growing healthy deer and maxing deer out for your clients. Like that's where the background of, of this Buck Bourbon brand and all the products come from. And I, I look at that and I'm like, that's why it's successful. Cause he's not looking at it from a marketing term. He's not looking at it to max out how much you're going to make on it. Like a, like a larger company woods. He literally looks, you build it backwards. You look at what the deer needs or what needs to happen as a hunter and you build it backwards versus building in this is the margin I need and now let me build it forward and, and see if it works and get it on the shelf. Like that's that's how I look at this and there's gonna be success for a long, long time. And before I before I let you go on here to the barrel proof and everything else, like the born from bourbon slogan that you've got. Like it's catchy. Like everything's catchy. Like Buck Bourbon's catchy. The the born from bourbon. But as as you listen to George as he goes on here, like that born from bourbon, why why is that real? Because one, where he's from is he's developing this, but all the names that you're coming up with these products are catchy. So like all cli all clients remember on the rocks, like that's catchy, barrel proof, like it's catchy. Like your whole marketing behind this is like, I'm a, I don't want your head to get big. I know how you get, but it's genius. <laughs> like, like I look at it now, like in hindsight and it's genius. Like everything behind it is, is genius. So don't let your head get too big on that, but continue, continue on. I know you got barrel proof. What else? Okay, so so barrel proof. Yeah, barrel proof is our. Uh, it's sixteen percent protein. It's a supplemental feed that I created to go in uh, gravity feeders, 
And this was something that, like, I want everybody to understand that when you feed a deer protein, once you get to a certain level of protein, two things happen. The deer hate the way it tastes even more, and it passes straight through the deer. And, you know, that, that I have found that once you get above 18%, the deer really, really back off from it. And at that point, they can't consume it. Their body can't process it. So they just start passing it straight through. And I also found that if you drop that, that number down to 16%, the deer will literally eat three times as much. Well, I'm not a smart man, Mark, but I do know that I would rather a deer eat a crap ton of 16% protein versus no 18 to 20% protein. Like, that's just, I'm not a smart man, but I Seems like common sense. Seems like common sense. So, so at that point, you know, I I come up with the name Barrel Proof because, you know, you're putting it in a feeder that looks like a barrel and Barrel Proof is, you know, it's another term in the bourbon industry. So one of the things that I really want to talk about on our Barrel Proof is a, um, we put cinnamon and garlic oils in our cinnamon garlic flavored Barrel Proof and our mineral. Um, one of the things that that does in the cattle industry, it's been proven to reduce the amount of insects by 56% on the cattle. That's huge in more ways than one. If you can reduce the amount of insects on your deer herd by 56%, you're potentially cutting down on blue tongue and you're cutting down on the stress. You know, it's proven that deer lose 30% of their maximum potential body size and antler through summer months just because of stress. If you go out and do any summer scouting at all and watch deer, they're constantly flickering their ears, flickering their tail, shivering their skin to, to fight off those insects. And it's energy, that's valuable energy that they need to gain weight, to gain mass on their antlers, just to be overall healthier. So that's something that we really, really want to put in as many of our products as possible is the cinnamon and garlic oils. This is all natural. It's not any kind of medication. You know, we can legally do this. We don't have to worry about any FDA stuff because it is a, a, a natural ingredient. But we have to be careful because we can't claim that it does that in the deer herd because we do not have enough evidence yet to to substantiate that. But it is proven. It's been researched by multiple schools in the cattle industry. And look, cattle are not much different than deer. You know, they're, they're, they're both foragers. You know, they, you know, ruminants, they, they, they have the same systems, basically. I just imagine like the longevity of, of a buck that you're going to hunt that hits that five and a half or, I mean, the magic six and a half year old, that if you've taken the stress away for five or six summers of insects and so forth going at it, what that deer, what the difference of that deer is going to be. Like, I, I, that's how I look at it. That's insane to to think about that. And I go, and like, I go back again. Why, why is this brand and, and all the products so successful? Like the reasoning why you added that in compared to what another brand would go and do because they're looking at their margin at the end and going, I'm not going to add that in because it's taken X away from my, my margin. And you look at it as, okay, I'm going to add it in because it's better. And that's what, like, as a logical person, like that's, that's the product that you would want as you go and bring that to bring that to market. I think that's genius. Yeah. And I'm going to take it even one step further than at five and a half and six and a half, how healthier that deer will be. What if you spent tons of time, tons of money growing this buck from one and a half to two and a half to three and a half to four and a half. And then 
when he reaches that five and a half or six and a half, whatever it is, when you want to harvest him, that summer he dies from blue tongue. So that's what I'm more excited about than anything because I have had some monster bucks that we've hunted here die from blue tongue in the past. That's why I'm doing everything I can to combat that because that's heartbreaking. Well, listen, I, as, as you know, I've, we've had baby shack on now. Shelly had, had him in front of her would have been going on three seasons ago. So this is for me. I mean, I don't growing up in Michigan. It's not like you watch a deer and then let it age for four years and then go and hunt it. That deer got shot the second you saw it. So for me, this this experience of it in Kentucky of, of seeing it as it starts to grow again and realizing, Hey, it's still there is, is new to me. Like it's a, it's a fun experience, but every time I'm like, Oh man, is he gonna get hit by a car? Is something going to happen? Is he going to get in a fight and die? Like there's so many things. And, if you can just take that stress away from blue tongue and all that, all that stuff, like there's a lot of anxiety as you pass on a deer and then watch it another year and then watch it another year yeah. and make the determination is like, this going to be the year that, that you go and hunt it. For me, it's all new. And like, it adds a lot of anxiety. Cause I'm always like, man, maybe I should go and hunt it because, Oh, it's got, it, it, can it make it another 12 months? Like I, that always goes, it always is the easy answer. Like, no, I can't make it 12 months. You got, that's the devil on the shoulders. No, I can't make it 12 months. You got to go after that. Um, but like this, this product just aids and aids in that and growing bigger and healthier deer. So let's continue on. What other products? All right. So after our barrel proof, we've got our blocks, you know, we have a, a protein block that we call our hard liquor, hard liquor. And then we have a mineral block that we call our hard cider, which is a apple flavored mineral block. Um, a lot of people love throwing these blocks out because they, they last so much longer than like dumping a bag of attractant or dumping a small bag of mineral. And it allows you to get pictures of, of what deer you have in your area without intruding into their area once a week. And you throw that block out and it lasts for a month and you kind of forget about it. So you're not, you're not constantly putting a lot of foot traffic through the deer, you know, their, their, their kitchen or their bedroom area. So it's, it's something that we created, uh, that the protein blocks are, uh, I believe it's a 16% protein in the block also. And then our mineral block, you know, like I said, it's a, uh, it's got a lot of the stuff the deer need and we're trying to trick them with that apple flavoring, get, you know, getting them into eating it, which, which works for great. You know, deer love apple flavored, anything apple flavored, apple scented, you know, that'll bring them in from a long distance because it's a very, very powerful odor but it's a good odor. You know, it's an odor that brings those deer in, gets their curiosity up to see what, what that is. So, so that's, we've got those two blocks. Um, and then from there, we'll go into our liquids. Um, we have two liquids. We have a uh, buck bourbon's old fashioned, which is a fortified molasses that we we've created that as a feed topper. Um, and it, it actually, you know, it's got some organics in it as well. It's not just straight molasses because straight molasses isn't very stable. So we've actually mixed some other ingredients with it, you know, some minerals with it to help stabilize that. So the jugs won't swell and actually has a longer shelf life. So we go from that, we go into our, this is our new product that we're releasing this year, Buck Bourbon's Apple Teeny, candy Apple Teeny actually is what it is. It's a, it's a, uh, it's another liquid based mineral that is uh very comparable to a uh like a uh, deer cane something like that uh, and what it is what we use it for is to supercharge our mineral sites and what i mean by that is if if you have an established mineral site you go in you dump that on the ground and it leaches into the ground immediately 
deer prefer to eat minerals out of the dirt, like eat the actual dirt. You know, it's not natural for them to just go eat a pile of mineral that's, you know, oh, look, there's a pile of mineral out in the field. I'm going to go eat it. That's not natural to the deer. So this liquid, if you have an established mineral lick, you can just keep pouring that in the hole and it helps leaches more of the minerals into the ground where they can then feel more comfortable eating it. Or if you are starting a mineral site, this is what we use it for. And this is kind of a, this is a fun, catchy thing that we're going to start doing on our, our uh, social media outlets is creating cocktails. And what I mean by that, so you dump out a bag of buck bourbon on the rocks. And then you can go get old fashioned or you can go get candy apple teeny and you can pour that on top of that mineral and help it leach into the ground. So, okay, wh what do you prefer? Do you prefer a, a candle candy apple teeny on the rocks or do you prefer an old fashioned on the rocks? And, and you know, we're, we're going to, I want to start reaching out to, you know, all the hunters out there and ask them what is their favorite way to feed mineral? What do you use? So if you're using our on the rocks, you know, I've heard people talk about taking, grape kool-aid cherry kool-aid and stuff like that vanilla vanilla and water you know vanilla extract and pouring that on mineral to help kind of supercharge that so i want to hear what everybody's favorite cocktail is what you know what they like using because everybody has their own secrets yeah, it'd be interesting to get that feedback yeah and you know i just i want it to be fun you know when you're going out here you need to have fun if you quit having fun you need to quit doing it exactly yep Hey everybody, I'm a believer in using the best and that's exactly what Gunworks rifles are. They're the best in the market. If you're looking for accuracy and dependability, make sure to go check them out. Get that gun of a lifetime coming your way at gunworks.com. If you guys are looking for the best seat covers on the market, you gotta make sure to check out Rough Tough. I've had them in my truck now going on four years and they are bulletproof. Make sure to check them out, roughtough.com. If you're looking to book the trip of a lifetime, make sure to give the team at WTA a call at 1-800-755-8247 or check out our website, WorldwideTrophyAdventures.com. So that's, anyway, of course, we have our coffee. You know, we really haven't talked about our coffee much. But, yeah, dig, uh, let's let's yeah. dig into the hard goods here. What what other what other products? And, it, and again, like I stress, like each one of these have kind of, kind of rolled along. Like the infield products have all taken off because as as you've grown buck bourbon with 110 and then the minerals there's been questions from retailers or partners can you do this can you do this because they've seen how much you've taken over the markets in your marketing and the products that actually work so like each one of these i want to stress for everybody like each one of these that george has come up with and, and continue to go along it's be it's because of the success and everything else that people are looking for it like that's, that's the cool part about this whole story. And then to listen to how it kind of sprung from infield products to some of these hard goods and the reasoning why, like to me, like that, I was really intrigued by it. So I'm interested to, to have you tell everybody like, okay, it led to this and then it led to this and now we're growing to this. Yep. That's exactly how it's happened. Uh, so, so the coffee, you know, I love a good cup of coffee, but there's so many types of coffee out there. It was kind of hard for me to figure out how, what direction to go with that coffee. So I, I sourced tons and tons and tons of different types of coffee and sampled them all. And I, I really settled into my two favorites. And, you know, these are my two favorites. This doesn't make them the best coffee in the world, but it's it's my favorite. You know, one of them is a uh, really dark roast uh, bean that we call our barrel proof. Because it is a stout coffee. If you're a stout coffee drinker, you would love the barrel proof. 
but then I'm going to switch and go the other direction with the coffee. If you don't like a really dark stout coffee, you know, a lot of people, the complaint I get, I don't like dark coffee. I have to mix so much sugar and creamer and all this stuff with it. It makes it unhealthy for me. So I was like, okay, well, I want to try to come up with a coffee that people can drink that are people that don't really like coffee, if that makes sense, you know? Mm -hmm. yep. So yep. I ended up coming across a, um, it's actually a ghost bourbon glaze that we put on the bean before we roast it and it turns the bean white. So this coffee is the mildest and it, it actually has a sweet flavor to it. You can absolutely drink this with no sugar no cream or anything in it just drink it straight and you're not making the coffee be unhealthy for you because you know coffee at the end of the day is, is actually good for you as long as you don't mix a lot of stuff with it and you don't over consume it you know it is it does have caffeine in it so you're not wanting to live off from it but but it's actually good for you so that's why i come up with those two so our ghost bourbon glazed coffee is probably a fan favorite not just my favorite it's probably a fan favorite people absolutely love it so we have both of those available in a whole bean and in a K-cup. So, so then we'll switch over to our seasonings. And the seasonings are kind of the same thing. You know, I, I love cooking. I love, you've seen me, I love eating. You, you love, you love eating, I know that. I know that. <laughs> so I, I love to eat. So I have fun with cooking. And I have fun, I actually have fun with everything I do. But the, the cooking, you know, I make it enjoyable for me, for the kids. My kids love to cook. They love to come out and help me whether we're doing hibachi style food, grilling, smoking, whatever we're doing. So same thing there. I, I went and I sourced out, I think close to a hundred different types of seasonings. And I settled on the four that I like the best. And I actually we're adding two more that I'm kind of in experimental phase with now because I wanted some Cajun stuff. So we're experimenting with those, but we have probably our best seller and our fan favorite is our uh it's a gourmet burger and chopped rub that people absolutely love and it's great on all types of food i mean i put it in vegetables i put it on burgers i put it on pork i put it on chicken i put it on steak whatever and then we have a texas steak dust which is a it has a very mesquite flavor to it i personally love it on vegetables it, it's called texas steak dust but i put it on vegetables more than i do any kind of meat all right, and then we have a barbecue flavoring, which is great on chicken uh, and pork. And then our our last one is a, um, I'm drawing a blank, uh, a Creole, Cajun Creole, which is, is you know, it's, it's for fish, basically. But we it's a blackening that it's good on other types of meat, but I, it really, I created it just for fish, you know, grilling fish or frying fish. So that, that's kind of our, uh, our seasonings. Um. Do we, we want to roll into other products? Yeah, or let's, let's cover them all right here. Okay, so let's let's go into our ground blinds. This is uh, this is what I'm most eager to come to the market with because it we have taken our touch as a hunter and created a blind that I think covers a lot of issues that have that ground blinds have had for years. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, I've hunted out of ground blinds my whole life. We, we turkey hunt out of ground blinds. We deer hunt out of ground blinds here at Salt River Outfitters because we have hunters with, you know, multiple types of disabilities, whether it's, you know, physical or, or just, you know, maybe they're, they're elderly and they, they just can't walk up and down these, these ladder stands or climb these uh, tree stands. So, we, you know, set up ground blinds for them. But every time I set in a ground blind, I think, 
why did they put the window here? Why did they put a zipper here? Why did they do Velcro here? You know, and, and, and what I have done and not just me, I mean, my guides, you know, my guides, they, they hunt and, and take hunters out just as much as me. And we sat around the campfire at night drinking a glass of bourbon. Like, Hey, what, what do we need to do to make this ground blind better? Some of the things that we have done, I want to touch on a little bit here. So I hate a noisy ground blind. I hate Velcro. I hate zippers. And I even hate magnets because magnets are quiet, but they quit working after six months. So what we did is on all of our windows, we have put sliders on them. And we made our top window adjustable and our bottom window adjustable. Because I was always getting frustrated when I would sit in a blind with a guy or a girl that was over six foot, let's just say over six foot four. If you're over six foot four and only the bottom window adjusts, well, then that person is always sitting in the, in the chair, kind of hunchback, trying to look out the window. But now let's flip the script. If you're a shorter person and you're sitting in a blind and only the top window is adjustable, well, then you're always kind of like leaning up or you have to sit on a cushion or, you know, get a special chair to where you can see over the bottom of the window. So I made all of our windows adjustable from the top and the bottom so you can hunt in any kind of configuration. And all of our blinds have 270 degree windows. And so the, my favorite blind though, is the one way mesh, our 300 one way mesh that we created. Uh, I think one way mesh is a very, very cool invention, but it has its flaws also. And, and what I want to talk about there, if you've ever hunted out of a one way mesh blind, you know, the first blinds that ever come out were 360 degrees, one way mesh right off the bat. They found out that wouldn't work for deer. Because if the deer are in a certain position and the sun is in a certain position, they can actually silhouette you through that blind. So then a lot of ground blind manufacturers caught on that was happening. So they just put the one-way mesh on two windows or two sides of the blind. And they run the one-way mesh from the top of the blind all the way down to the ground. Well, I kind of took that a little bit further and said that, you know, when you put a one-way mesh on the blind that goes all the way down to the ground, you're wasting half of that fabric. You don't need to see what's 30 foot in front of you. You don't need to, so that you're wasting that fabric. So what I did to keep our costs down on this blind and still give people one-way mesh, I took the, the one-way mesh from the middle of the blind all the way to the top and actually added it on three sides instead of two. Now, here's what we did to combat the deer and, and the turkeys being able to silhouette you through that if the sun's in a certain uh, uh, place is we put black curtains on all three of those windows. The curtains are on sliders as well. So what you can do is you can, you know, you always set a blind up where you think that turkey's going to come from or where you think that deer is going to come from, but that only happens 50% of the time that the deer or the turkey actually come from where you think they're coming from. So if you're sitting in there and you have these, these two windows open to shoot out this way and a turkey gobbles behind you, well, real quickly and quietly, you can lower the black curtains on the side the turkey's at and raise the black curtains on the back side so you don't get silhouetted. Very, very cheap add-on to this blind. But what you said earlier, may, you know, that, that, that really struck home with me because a lot of manufacturers, they only care about that bottom dollar. It literally cost us like $3 to add these curtains on all three windows. Um, why would you not do that if you're making a one-way mesh blind? Yeah, if you want to make the, the best blind that you possibly the can best. for hunters. Yeah. Yeah. So so we, we did that, 
then another thing that we did we we actually installed a door on all of our blinds it's actually spring loaded this was something that i think every ground blind should have moving forward i don't care who manufactures they need to have the spring loaded door because there's two things that i hate about the doors on most ground blinds if they have zippers on them the zippers work about the first five times and then you end up breaking the zipper and then it only zips halfway up or halfway down and you've got a door that flops in the wind when you're trying to hunt there that you can't close all the way well i don't like the zipper because it sounds like i'm an army trying to get in that blind and then of course oh, yeah, if you gotta go to if you gotta go to the yeah. bathroom you're like i gotta get out and you're like i gotta go through this yep. zipper again and try yeah, to slow so, zipper, try to fast zipper. It doesn't matter. It sounds like it echoes through whatever holler you're in. Yep. And, and Velcro is the same way. Magnets the same way. You know, they end up wearing out or they're noisy. So our spring-loaded door has a hook, just a little hook that you hook on an eyelid on the hook that latches the door. Well, when you want to get in it, you just undo the hook. There's, you know, it's not a snap. So you undo the hook and you just barely touch the door with a finger and the door pops open. And it's got a steel frame that goes, it's a really, really thin steel frame. When I say steel, I don't want you to think it's super heavy because it's not. It's just enough of a steel wire to keep that door rigid. So when it opens, it opens in one piece. And when you shut it, it shuts tightly and it's not flopping in the wind. So that's one of my favorite features. And we're calling that our saloon style door. Once again, playing off that bourbon, you know, that bourbon theme. Yeah. So... You know, we're doing that. Uh, and another thing I did on that same side, every blind I've ever been in, they always have one window on the side where the door is. That window is always super small, and it's almost the very tip top of the blind. So it's useless. It, in order to see out of that window, you have to stand up, pull the window down, and if you see anything outside of the back of that, you can't shoot out of it. So I lowered that window six inches and made the window twice as big. So you can, and it's on sliders as well. So you can actually slide that window down if you had to, stick the barrel of the gun out the back of the blind and, and shoot that turkey that may be sneaking up from behind you. Yeah, it always seems to be the Sim darn simple common sense. Yeah, simple common sense stuff that I don't know why more blind, blind manufacturers haven't done up to this point. Yeah. So that, that's kind of the, the technology that we've put into that. I mean, it is literally... Uh, ground blind built by hunters for hunters not engineers for hunters on mondays head offshore with captain scott walker and steve roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures coming to me coming to me coming to me double he's jumping he's jumping he's jumping oh, oh. Look at that don't miss mondays with into the blue brought to you by academy sports and outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m eastern tell a few fish stories along the way on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. And I think that's where where I'm excited to see them hit the, hit the field this fall to get hunters in them and just hear the experiences of, man, I could actually do that or I was quiet or, or all these different things just on the simple modifications that you did to make it more user-friendly. Yep. And it's all simple stuff. You know, it's common sense stuff that I, I go back to saying if the people designing these ground blinds have ever hunted out of them, they wouldn't keep making them the way they're making them. Because I think there's too many manufacturers out there that are just trying to 
they're trying to make blinds because there's a there's a huge need for it in the industry. Yep. You know, a lot of them may be uh, they may be making ice fishing. Uh, what do they call them? Ice shanties or yeah. whatever. They may be making them, so that's where their thoughts are going. But then they start making them for deer hunters because it's the same technology. Yep. The same, same you know fa- same, same factory makes them. Yep. Just double up, and so, you got already got the truck heading there. We'll just throw two different types of things yeah. on it. Yeah, and and I think that's where a lot of these little simple fixes have gotten overlooked over the years. Well, it's been fun to watch you kind of go through and do all these changes, and even funner to watch everything hit hit the market. Like that's yep, that's fun. Yep. yep. So go from our ground blinds. A uh, few more things that we've got coming out that we're going to start working on. And this is all in the R and D phase. This is this isn't anything that's going to hit. Do we want to talk about anything? That yeah, we're no. That, that was one of the things I was going to ask. Like in any any previews or or sneak peek type things, what you got coming for the future in twenty three and beyond. And I know a lot of what you do is customer driven, so it'll be interesting to see just as more and more feedback comes in from clients in the field of man can you do this or can you modify this can i get something that works like this what it'll lead to but what are some of the things you're looking at for the future so one of the first things that probably it'll be our quickest uh, product we're going to come to market with we were we've actually been approached to make grilling pellets now you know i mentioned how much fun i have cooking and you know and how much fun i have eating so we we were asked to design some pellets that are specially made for cooking wild game you know nobody's doing that there's a lot of there's actually a lot of people are starting to cook it's called craft cooking like they they mix their pellets together and come up with their own concoction of what they're going to cook with kind of like a a microbrewery or a craft brewery you know everybody wants to make their own beer well now people are trying to make their own pellets by buying smaller bags and mixing different flavors together but nobody has a pellet that's specially designed just for bringing out the flavors in venison bringing out the flavors in a wild turkey bringing out the flavors in fish or quail or you know pheasant whatever you're 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 hunting so we're we're teaming up with a company and we're going to come out with our own pellets uh that's something that we're pretty excited about um and then you know we're, we're just now starting the early phases of designing backpacks clothing uh, and ground blind chairs, you know, that's another thing that I get frustrated frustrated about. Nobody's ever created the perfect ground blind chair. No, I can speak from experience just like everybody else. That has not been created yet. Yeah, and I don't know why. I mean, that's something that, it, you know, just I'm a hunter trying to create this stuff for hunters. So I know what's wrong with the chairs that I've used in the past. I'm going to take what I've learned by hunting out of those chairs and try to create a better chair. Uh, same thing in a backpack. You know, a lot of backpacks that are made nowadays – they're really geared towards the Western hunter, and, and I don't do any Western hunting. You know, there's nothing, absolutely nothing against it. I wish I could do more Western hunting, but I can't. Like, most of these backpacks have 40 pockets in it, 40 zippers, 40, you know, and when you're in a tree stand and you've got your binos in this pouch, your rangefinder in this pouch, your release in this pouch, and whatever else, it takes you five minutes to go and figure out what pouch it's in. Well, when you're in a tree stand, it's all about being quiet and as still as possible. And you probably, you know, a lot of people say, well, why don't you wear your binoculars on a harness? I'll tell you why I don't, because 10 years ago I was shooting at a deer when I had my binos. uh, I can't remember the harness I had, you know, the little 
elastic harnesses that hold it to your chest. When I shot my bow, there's a little clip on that harness that caught my string. It caused me to miss the deer and damn near put my eye out. So when I hunt, I wear nothing other than clothes, obviously. Thank God. Yeah. Well, but, uh, well no, yeah. I, I, I completely agree with that approach, though. Like, especially in a tree stand during the rut, you don't know where that deer is necessarily going to come from and what you got to do with your body to twerk around and try to get there. Like, the last thing you want is a pair of binos dangling in front as you're trying to make a shot off your left shoulder or a rangefinder or anything like that. Like, I completely get that approach. Yeah. So, you know, I keep everything in a backpack. And I don't want to be fiddling in the backpack, making a lot of noise and a lot of movement. If I see a deer coming from a hundred yards away and I'm trying to figure out what it is or whatever, you know, I want a backpack that's super simple to use. And I've got a few other features that I want to put in that backpack to help it make, to help make it better for a tree stand style hunter, because that's what I specialize in. And that's what I'm going to keep making products for. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm not, not a western hunter i keep saying that but that's just not me that's not my style of hunting uh like i said wish i could do it more but i can't so i have to stick with what i know yeah so yeah so not like i i completely get like the western hunting like i do a ton of i'm I'm fortunate enough to hunt everywhere but the mass number of hunters are are stand whitetail hunters like that's yeah and like you look at the the marketing that goes behind a lot of the brands and it's towards the western brands and they're trying to make these products fit for eastern whitetail hunters and a lot of them just don't like even if you look at the clothing like you you touched on the backpack but like a lot of those things it's it's just a different type of hunting like you're still in a stand you have to be as quiet as you can but you need all your products to work because yep. your moment of truth is really only a minute to minute and a half. Like you have a minute and a half when you see that deer a lot of the times to, man, you got to get ready and, and make it count. So your products have to work, but like, I know you touched a little bit on clothing, but like you need clothing that you can sit in a stand in yep. Kansas in the middle of December and be comfortable and stay there because those deer aren't going to come right at first light or right at last light. Like the longer you sit, the more successful you're going to be. Like you need the products that work for where you're going to hunt. All, all products should serve a purpose. If you're wearing it in a tree stand, you know, anymore, it seems like these manufacturers are trying to create products that makes the hunter look cool, <laughs> you know, or, or the, the, the hunter, it's like a fashion show anymore when you go hunting. And it, it's gotten away from functionality and went towards, like I said, a fashion show, I feel like. And, you know, the clothing is, a lot of the clothing made nowadays are made for really fit hunters. And look, I'm not a fit hunter. <laughs> so when I, you know, if I go buy a $300 jacket, it don't fit me right. You know, or a $300 pair of pants, it doesn't fit me right or, you know, whatever. So we're going to start creating clothing that is functional it fits the average hunter, not not your not the top five percent or, or that not the five percent five percent that yeah. are climbing you know mountains to go go kill a poon job or whatever yeah. the hell it was killed that one time. And I I kind of find it funny when you go into different camps and you see hunters trying to wear some of that some of that stuff, and you're like, man, you got a medium shirt on right now. You really need to, yeah. you really need to go three X or whatever whatever that is right there because that that's not working for you. I don't care where you saw that 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 is. Yeah, it, it looks like a camouflaged uh, can of busted biscuits. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I know, obviously, you can buy all all this stuff on buckbourbon.com, but where else can you find all these all these products that you got? 
so we're some of the major retailers that we're in, you know, obviously it's Tractor Supply, we're in Walmart, Bucky's, uh, Orchelands, we're we're hitting some some of the fleet farm stores this year. Uh, we'll be hitting Sportsman's Warehouse this year. And we're, we're talking to lots of retailers now, so it's actually an exciting year for us. I, I think we're going to gain a lot more placement with our products just because of our track history. You know, we are really taking away market share from some of the big names out there. And and a lot of these other retailers are starting to notice it. Yeah. And, it, and a lot of times those, those retail companies are, are well, they're, they've been using brands that, that have been safe. They've been dealing with them for a long time, so to to take that shelf space, which is valuable in those stores away. It, it truly speaks to, to what Buck Bourbon's doing, that they're able to do that. So now I want to, I want to end this on, on a fun note here. Cause we, I'd been holding this one the whole time, even though I wanted to ask it right from the beginning. So like these products work. Now I want to hear about your last year, like what you did in 2021 yourself as a hunter, over top of Buck Bourbon. You can start in Kentucky or Ohio or Kansas, wherever you want to start, but walk us through the deer that you hunted last year in a single fall. Okay, so I'll start off, and, and like I said, you know, I'll talk about missing, I'll talk about wounding because that's real, that's how it happened. I started my hunting season off personally in Kansas for opening day, and I went out there and over barrel proof, I shot and wounded a deer that was over 200 inches. This deer was a freak. He had two rows of tines. He had 10 and 10. He had 20 points. All of his tines were eight inches plus. I mean, big body deer, just huge mass. Just, I mean, a deer of a lifetime, I thought, at that point. And so I shot that deer, really bummed out. Uh, thought I hit him good, but I hit him just a little. He was quartered away more than I thought. I hit him behind the shoulder in that pocket right where I thought I needed to put it. But uh, big deer like that have a way of turning you into forest gum. And I, I made a stupid mistake. You know, it happens. I've been hunting my whole life, but I still learn stuff every year. Now, was that the biggest and, deer you've ever been drawn back on, though? Yes. Yeah, yes, so your, that mind, time, that was a, your mind starts yeah. to do things to you that, yeah. that don't necessarily always happen when that when that yeah. situation comes up. So, so that was uh, – that was the lowest of the low for me, but my season turned around so quick and ended on the highest of highs. So left Kansas, I went straight to Ohio and hunted with an outfitter there called Sunfish Valley. And I ended up killing first day, first night in the stand. I killed a, it's actually called a crypto COVID buck, which is a buck that's testicles never descend a, a lot like Mark. Did you say, did um, you say crypto but, uh, COVID? Buck. Yes, it's where their their testicles never descend. They they did have testicles, but he, his never descended. They had been trying to kill this deer for seven years. They had trail camera history with this deer. Never had daylight pictures of this deer until they started feeding buck bourbon. And this is them telling me the story. This is not me. This is not something I set up. This is them. All right. They started getting daylight pictures of this deer for the first time feeding it last year the year before i killed him so they were telling me about it and it was just a, it was a cool deal for them to put me on this deer to give me the opportunity to kill it over a product that i created because they wanted me to they wanted me to kill this deer because they they saw how it worked on this deer that they guessed to be over eight and a half years old all right so 
I killed this deer over barrel proof. He uh, ended up scoring like 198 and some change. Still was in velvet, even though it was the end of September. You know, they, they had trail camera history with him. He never once shed his velvet, but he always shed his antlers and grew a new set. So I shoot that deer in Ohio. I come straight to Kentucky and I end up killing, a, he's in the low 160s in Kentucky. And then I get a week off and I go back to Kansas and over, over our 110 product, I kill a 176 inch deer in Kansas. All this happened in about a two week span. So it was truly a season to remember. You know, it was just, it, it, I keep, <laughs> even as good a season as it was, I still keep going back to the deer that got away. Yeah, you know? <laughs> no, I get it. And like the, like I look at it as you have a unique time period of when you can go and hunt too, because you've got hunters coming and going in Kentucky. So it's not like you can just take off in November and be like, I'm going to, I'm going to go archery hunt for seven to 10 days. No, you got hunters in camp. Like you can't do that. So like when George said he did this all in two weeks, like that was his two week break between when that early velvet kind of ends and you know, it starts up in October, right? Like that's, you did it in that two week break that you had. And I just seemed like every time you sent me a picture, I was like, are you kidding me? Didn't shot another deer. I'm like, first of all, I'm like, get back to work. And then second of all, I'm like, how's he killing all these big deer? And then it, it was cool to hear the story, especially that one in Ohio. Like basically that deer was kind of like a cow. Like there was no, it, it didn't go through the rut. It didn't have anything to, to go and do. So it was just a nocturnal deer. And the fact that Buck Bourbon flipped that from being a nocturnal deer to coming in in daylight like it was really cool it was really cool that the outfitter called you wanted to get you on that just because of of what the product did like that whole story is awesome yeah i mean they i was only the second person to ever lay eyes on that deer and like i said they've been trying to kill him for it was six and a half seven and a half years i can't remember how many years they had history with him they had been trying to kill him but they guessed him to be at least eight and a half years old because they had history with him you know, I think it was six and a half years of camera of, of pictures, and that whole six and a half years he was big. Yeah. So they, were, you know, he's at least three years old when they first started getting pictures of him. So, would you did you do a full body mount on that one? What'd you do? Yes. Yeah, I ended I have up to yeah. just because the 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 history, the story, and, and it's a cool deer. You know, look, I have been guiding velvet hunters for fourteen years. I had never killed a velvet buck personally until that deer. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I've never I've never been able to go and hunt, you know, the first three days of the season here because I've had hunters. Well, that makes sense. It's and the I, exact same thing I just said. You've been busy when hunters are in camp. You can't yeah. go you can't go velvet hunting. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just cool to to, you know, kill I think it was September twenty seventh, you know, when I killed that deer and he, he still had velvet and you know, there's another thing. You said that the the two weeks that I got to kill those deer in is uh typically hunters think of as a slow period low low period yeah uh, yeah well, well don't get me started on that because there's no <laughs> such thing for october low but uh <laughs> but you know to be able to kill these deer over an attractant over a feed that i created in the slowest time of the year is so rewarding to me even more rewarding than the size of the deer it's just the whole it, i feel like it's a job well done getting those deer to come in yeah so yeah, that was it was a season to remember for sure. Well, that's great. Well, guess what? You got another one coming up in four months here. So, well, thank you for coming on today, George. And I, what we got to do is we got to get on again before the hunting season in the fall kicks off. 
especially when, once you start seeing some trail cam picks and so forth, we got to get you back on and, and talk about Salt River and, and really what's coming up this fall. I mean, just like everybody, once you start seeing those those velvet deer picks come end of July, August, it's like, oh, man, it's it's coming around yeah. the corner now. It's a it's a it's definitely an exciting time of the year. And with the new farms we've leased this year and the sheds that we found this year, man, I think it's going to be it's going to be one one to remember for years and years and years to come. Perfect. Well, thanks again. Have a good day. And I can tell you're outside. You got hunters coming into the camp. Can't wait to see some turkey yep. picks coming up. Oh, yeah. Keep watching tomorrow. We'll be posting a bunch. There you go. Thanks, George. <laughs> thanks. Y'all take it easy. Yeah. Thank you, everyone out there, for all the support and downloads. Don't forget, go leave a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts. That always helps. Also, if you're looking to book the hunt of a lifetime, go visit WTA at WorldwideTrophyAdventures.com or give the team a call in the office at 1-800-755-8247.